Welcome to the Verse by Verse podcast, a ministry of the Friendship Congregational Bible Church. I'm Richard Church, the teacher on Verse by Verse, and I'm glad you've joined with us today as we study together God's infallible word, verse by verse. Let's turn to the book of Amos, Amos chapter 4. Book of Amos is one of the be one of the minor prophets. It's there toward the toward the end of the Old Testament, um, right after the book of Joel and before the book of Obadiah. And um, the the minor prophets are not real cheery books. They tend to have a lot of condemnation on the nation of Israel for the way that they had turned away from the Lord. And here the the prophet Amos uh, is delivering the word of the Lord to to uh, Israel regarding their their false worship and their corrupt uh, system of worship that they had set up. In Amos chapter 4, verse 1 says, Hear this word, ye kind of Bashan, that are in the mountain of Samaria, which oppress the poor, which crush the needy, which say to their masters, Bring and let us drink. The Lord God hath sworn by his holiness that, lo, the days shall come upon you, that he will take you away with hooks and your posterity with fish hooks. And ye shall go out at the breaches, every cow at that which is before her, and ye shall cast them into the palace, saith the Lord." Come to Bethel and transgress, at Gilgal multiply transgression, and bring your sacrifices every morning and your tithes after three years, and offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving with leaven, and proclaim and publish the free offerings, for this liketh you, O ye children of Israel, saith the Lord God. And here when he when he refers to them as the the kind of Bashan, it's a it's a reference to the way they had gone away and worshipped false gods. And and you see at the end when it says, Come to Bethel and transgress. And, and he talks about bringing their sacrifices, uh, bringing their tithes, and it mentions a sacrifice of thanksgiving in verse five. But you may notice some some things there if you're familiar with with uh, especially with the Old Testament. Um, first of all, he tells them to come to Bethel. Now, that wasn't the place where God had established that they ought to offer sacrifices. Uh, remember, that was at Jerusalem. And from the time that God chose Jerusalem and the temple was established there, there was, there was no other place in Israel where they were to offer sacrifices. And yet here, it calls them to, to Bethel. But you see it says, come to Bethel and transgress. Now, that city of Bethel, uh, the name means the house of God, Bethel, the house of God. And it was the place where when, when Jacob had been fleeing from his brother Esau because he had stolen his, his uh, blessing, and he was afraid that Esau was going to kill him, and his father sent him away, sent him back to where his family was from. And as Jacob was on his way, he stopped at, at that place that later would be called Bethel, and he had a vision there. 
And the vision that he saw, not, not really so much a vision as it was that God allowed him, God pulled back the curtain, as it were, and allowed him to see into the, the spiritual realm, and he saw what's called a, a ladder or a staircase going up into heaven, and he saw the, the host of heaven, he saw the angels ascending and descending. And he's allowed to see that glimpse into, into that spiritual realm and sees the, the angels coming and going from the earth there. And he, he calls that place Bethel, the house of God. And he sets up a pillar there to be able to, to remember that place. Uh, now, later on in Israel's history, in fact, go back to 1 Kings chapter 12. This place of Bethel that, that Jacob had sought to, to remember because he saw the special significance of that place. Uh, in, in 1 Kings chapter 12, you have after the death of King Solomon, so we're going far into the future after, after Jacob. Um, after the death of King Solomon, there was civil war in Israel. And you had, you had uh, Israel in the north following Jeroboam and Judah in the south following Rehoboam. And Jeroboam in the north uh, saw a problem in that all of, all of the Israelites were supposed to go down to Jerusalem at various times in the year to worship. And now he's the, the king in the northern kingdom, which does not include Jerusalem. Jerusalem's down in the southern kingdom. And he decides that it wouldn't be a very good thing for all the men of his kingdom every year, numerous times in the year, to have to go down to that other kingdom to worship. Uh, he worries that some of them might just decide they'll stay there and that, that you know, this is going to affect uh, his kingdom. Um, and so he decides that instead of having, instead of having all those people go down there every year, that Jeroboam would set up a similar system of worship in the northern kingdom so they wouldn't have to go down to the southern kingdom, go down to Jerusalem. Uh, you see in, in verse 27, verse 26 says, Jeroboam said in his heart, Now shall the kingdom return to the house of David. If this people go up to do sacrifice in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then shall the heart of this people turn again unto their Lord, even unto Rehoboam, king of Judah, and they shall kill me and go again to Rehoboam, king of Judah. Whereupon the king took counsel and made two calves of gold. I remember when Israel came out of Egypt, they made a calf of gold and they, and they worshipped it. Here the king makes two calves of gold and said unto them, It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Behold thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. Now, you see, he doesn't, he doesn't set up these calves and then, you know, try and, and say that, you know, this is a completely different God than what Israel has historically worshipped. He sets up these calves and he says, here are the gods that brought you up out of Egypt. He says, you can continue to have your, your history, you can continue to have your tradition, but now just worship these calves and accept them as being the gods that brought you out of Egypt instead of the Lord God who, who uh, 
said that you could only worship him at Jerusalem. And he sets up these calves. You see in verse in verse 29, it says he set the one in Bethel and the other put he in Dan. And so the city Bethel that was called by the very name the house of God becomes a house of a, a false god, a golden calf that Jeroboam claims is, is you know, the god that brought him out of Egypt. Uh, you see, he set the one in Bethel, the other put he in Dan, and this thing became a sin, for the people went to worship before the one, even unto Dan, and he made a house of high places and made priests of the lowest of the people, which were not of the sons of Levi. And Jeroboam ordained a feast in the eighth month, on the fifteenth day of the month, like unto the feast that is in Judah. And he offered upon the altar, so did he in Bethel, sacrificing unto the calves that he had made. And he placed in Bethel the priests of the high places which he had made. So he offered upon the altar which he had made in Bethel the fifteenth day of the eighth month, even in the month which he had devised of his own heart, and ordained a feast unto the children of Israel, and he offered upon the altar and burnt incense. And you see, it talks about how he devised that feast out of his own heart. He didn't follow the, the, the will of God that God had revealed regarding the feast days and regarding the worship and the altar and all those things. He devises something out of his own heart and sets that up and, and says basically it's the same thing as what they're doing down in Jerusalem. I mean, that's really what he's, what he's doing is he's taking this counterfeit and putting it in place there in place of the, the true worship at the temple in Jerusalem. And so you can see why the prophet Amos would say, come to Bethel and transgress. Now, he's not telling the people this is what they ought to do. It's, he's, he's saying it, or really he's relaying the, the word of the Lord there. If you go back to that, that passage in Amos chapter 4, um, you see it mentions the mountain of Samaria. By the way, that false religion that Jeroboam sets up there, uh, is what eventually becomes the religion of Samaria. Do you remember when Jesus speaks with the Samaritan woman? And uh, she says that, you know, your fathers say we must worship at Jerusalem, and our fathers say we must worship in this mountain. That, that religion of the Samaritans, they still used much of the same Old Testament that the Jews were using. Um, if you were to look at the, the rituals that were done at the Samaritan altar, they would look almost identical to what was done at the altar in Jerusalem. But everything with the Samaritan religion was all done in, in uh, rebellion toward God. Realize that a counterfeit, in order for it to be a, an effective counterfeit, has to look a lot like the real thing. And Jeroboam sets up something that looks a lot like the real thing so that, so that it won't be a big transition. See, he, do, he doesn't want to have to convince all of his subjects to give up their, you know, the way they have been worshiping and do something completely new. He just takes and makes something that looks almost exactly like what they've been doing anyway. Just now they don't have to go to Jerusalem. Now they can come to, to uh, a place there in Samaria and do the same thing. And so if you, if you look at that passage again there in Amos, it says, Hear this word, ye kind of Bashan that are in the mountain of Samaria. 
Um, if you if you come down to verse four, it says, "Come to Bethel and transgress at Gilgal. Multiply transgression. Bring your sacrifices every morning and your tithes after three years, and offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving with leaven, and proclaim and publish the free offerings. For this liketh you, O ye children of Israel, saith the Lord God." He's not praising them because of their religious activity. But he's saying, this is what you like to do, so you just go ahead and and do what you want to do. If you want to be rebellious, you want to be disobedient, just go ahead and do it. And he goes on to talk about the, the judgment that comes upon them as a result. Now, notice that they're offering sacrifices of thanksgiving. But I hope you see from the passage that it's not any kind of thanksgiving that is acceptable to God. Now, under the law, there were sacrifices of thanksgiving. One of the ways you could give thanksgiving to God under the law was to bring a certain sacrifice in a, in a specific way, right? But, but notice this says, offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving with leaven. Now, in the worship at Jerusalem, never on the altar could you offer leaven. Leaven in the Bible is a type and a figure of sin, and it's not something that's acceptable to God. In the same way that a, that a, a lamb that was offered on the altar had to be without spot or blemish, you couldn't offer anything with leaven on the altar at Jerusalem. But you see how they were offering their offerings of thanksgiving. It was with leaven. Now, there were two things here that that meant that the thanksgiving of these people was not acceptable to God. One, they were offering at the wrong altar. And two, they were offering it in the wrong way. Now, you might say, what, what significance does this have to us? Kind of a strange passage to go, through, go to for a, a Thanksgiving Eve service. But, you know, this, this holiday of, of Thanksgiving that was... Uh, you know, it was based on a, a tradition of proclamations of national days of, of thanksgiving to God, realized that not all thanksgiving is, is acceptable by God. These people here, these, these uh, Samaritans, their thanksgiving, they were offering offerings of thanksgiving that looked very much like the offerings of thanksgiving in Jerusalem, but these bring only condemnation from God. They were offering at the wrong altar, and they were offering in the wrong way. Um, understand that, that all worship begins with thanksgiving. If you, if you go to Romans chapter 1, uh, notice what the Apostle Paul says here in Romans 1 uh, about what resulted in the, you know, the heathen world uh, becoming in such, in such uh, wickedness and, and rebelliousness. Um, if, you, if you look at verse 21 of Romans 1, it says, Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Now the people he's describing there, when he says that, that neither were they thankful, it's not that they didn't 
express any form of, of thankfulness. But you see, where, where were they attributing their worship? Not to the Lord God who created everything, but to these images, right? Images of, of uh, man and birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. And so they were giving thanks. It was a misplaced thanksgiving. They were giving thanks often. They would have rituals of thanksgiving to these idols that they would set up, but the idol didn't have anything to do with the things they were giving thanks for. Right? It, it was a misplaced thanksgiving, and it was something that you read down through the whole passage, and it results in all kinds of, of wickedness and, and uncleanness and fornication and all of those kinds of things. Because they didn't, they didn't recognize God as God, they didn't glorify God as God, and they weren't thankful, and they were led to all these other things, and, and just, you know, went on in the wickedness of their own hearts. And, uh, the, the end result are all the things you read there as you continue on. It talks about God giving them up. In fact, three times in that passage it says God gave them up. He gave them over. He, he uh, um, you know, just, just let them go in their own way. That's what, that's what Amos is telling them in Amos chapter 4. If you want to do that, that's what you like to do. Go, go do it. Uh, if you're going to go and transgress at Bethel, okay, come to Bethel and transgress. Right? And, and you see, you see how that lack of proper thankfulness, proper thanksgiving to God, results in all the wickedness described there in the passage. We celebrate Thanksgiving Day. And, you know, a lot of people will celebrate the day and yet will really give, not give Thanksgiving at all. They won't give thanks to anybody. Uh, many atheists will celebrate the day. Um, they will call it Thanksgiving Day, and yet they give thanks to really to no one. Or if they give thanks to anybody, it's to give thanks to themselves. This time of year, I always think about the, uh, the I think it's right in the beginning of the movie Shenandoah, um, where Jimmy Stewart, they, they sit down to eat, and he's going to give thanks before the meal, Jimmy Stewart's character. And, and he kind of starts out, you know, saying, Lord, we, we give you thanks. And then, and then he goes on about how um, we'll give you thanks even though we're the ones that planted the crops and we're the ones that, that uh, did all the work and you didn't really have anything to do with it at all, but we'll give you thanks anyways. That's kind of that's his, his thanks there before the meal. And, you know, really who he's giving thanks to is himself. And that's, that's what a lot of people do on, on Thanksgiving Day and a lot of other days. Uh, they give thanks to themselves. They don't, they don't give thanks to God for the things that He's done. Um, they may not even, may not even, uh, uh, choose to acknowledge, uh, that there even is a God. And certainly you can't give thanks to someone that you don't acknowledge. Um, and whatever thanks they give, they may be thankful. You realize there's a difference between feeling thankful and giving thanks. You can feel thankful for something. Um, just kind of in a general sense, being glad about some some circumstance or whatever, without actually giving thanks to God for that thing. Um, not only that, but you know, many people the 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 issue there with those Israelites uh, in the book of Amos is that they were trying to offer something of thanksgiving, but they were doing it through the wrong altar. 
And you know, for the believer in Christ, really the only, the only ones who can truly give thanksgiving to God in the proper way are the believers in Christ. Uh, without, without faith in Christ, you don't have the, the, uh, really the capacity to give thanks to God properly. That's why, that's why uh, the scripture says that we give thanks through Jesus Christ our Lord. The believer can give thanks in a way that the unbeliever cannot. Because the believer can give thanks because of what was accomplished there on that altar of the cross of Calvary. Just like the, the, uh, the Israelites who were trying to approach God and give, th- give thanks through a counterfeit altar, someone who is religious but without faith in Christ, they may have some conception of God and they may truly and genuinely give thanks to that God, but it's not the God of the Bible. It's not the God that's revealed himself in Jesus Christ. It's not the God that's provided the free gift of eternal life. And, and their thanksgiving is a misplaced thing. Um, so, so just like those Israelites who were trying to give thanks but doing it through the wrong altar, the unbeliever in Christ can't, can't uh, give thanksgiving, proper thanksgiving to God uh, as the believer ought. Now, they were worshiping at the wrong altar, and they were also worshiping in the wrong way. They were offering leaven upon the altar. And, and you know, when you understand the significance of what leaven represents, you can see why that would be such an offensive thing. Um, to offer what is, what is the, the counterpart of sin. To think that you could offer your, your sin to God as something that would be, you know, in, in giving him thanks. Um, you can see why why that symbolism would be such an offensive thing, and yet you know people people try to do that as well today. And you know the the thing about giving thanks to God as the believer gives thanks is as you think about the way that you give thanks to God. Is there any difference between the way you give thanks and the way just the world gives thanks? You know when you think about the things that the world gives thanks for. Uh, it tends to be very fleshly, carnal things. The world gives thanks for having food to eat, for having a house to live in, clothes to wear, a family around them, those kinds of things. And, and I'm not saying you ought not give thanks for those things. But if those are the only things you give thanks for, uh, what about the believer who doesn't have those things? Do, do they have nothing to give thanks for? What about the, the, the believer in parts of the Sudan who doesn't even have a blanket to keep warm at night? Do they have nothing to give thanks for? Uh, again, certainly we, we can recognize that every good gift comes from above and we can give God thanks for all of those things, but realize there's much more that God has given to the believer than just those things. And even if you didn't have the fleshly carnal things, you have a multitude of things to give thanks for. It says that he's blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. And the, you know, the, the believer, um, our thanksgiving, if, if you take, if you take, for instance, the, the epistles in the New Testament and you look at the things that 
are given thanks for. You'll find very little thanksgiving for just the, just the physical things of life. You'll find very much thanksgiving for all the spiritual things that God has, has granted by his grace. And, and that, again, goes back to, to where, you know, where the focus is. Is the focus just on, on physical things? Is it, is it like uh, the, the view that is criticized in 1 Timothy chapter 6 that says gain is godliness? And, and so, therefore, you know, if we have all kinds of gain, all kinds of, of physical things, you know, we must be godly and we can, we can praise God for that. Um, or... Or is the focus of the believer to be something else altogether? See, the reason the believer can give thanks in a way that the unbeliever can't is the unbeliever's thanksgiving is a very selfish type thing. They're giving thanks for the things that benefit self. Where the believer can give thanks for the things that glorify God. Um, The the, uh, Israelites were offering a sacrifice of thanksgiving. They... Many of them certainly were probably doing it in sincerity, uh, yet doing it in the wrong way made it something unacceptable to God. Let our thanksgiving be something that, that is, you know, is right and proper, not like the thanksgiving of those, those Israelites at Bethel. And let's not give thanksgiving with leaven. Again, leaven is a, a type of sin. It's a, a picture. I say a type in the sense of a picture, a figure of sin. It represents sin. And sin is not something you can offer to God. It's not something that's acceptable to God. Uh, that's why when you hear people that are, are uh, claiming to preach the gospel and they say that you as a sinner must offer yourself to God or give your life to Christ in order to be saved. There's nothing about your life that, that God desires. You can't offer yourself as some sort of sacrifice to God because you're not a lamb without spot or blemish. You're not something that's unleavened. You can't offer yourself with all of your sin to God. Rather, you can receive the imputed righteousness of Christ by faith, and that makes you acceptable to God. Okay? But, but very often, you know, if we... If we offer thanksgiving to God, think about this. If we thank God for his grace and mercy, and yet we don't show grace and mercy to others, are we offering an offering of thanksgiving with leaven? You see what I mean? Uh, how that, that offering of thanksgiving can be, can be um, leavened by our attitudes. It's very easy to say that we give thanks for something, but is our thanksgiving leavened by a life of such ingratitude that we, you know, we, we do the things that would bring dishonor to God instead of glorifying God? Um, if we thank God for the physical things that we have and yet we're unwilling to, to help others, uh, with those same needs, and, and especially fellow believers with those same needs, is our thanksgiving, are we doing like the Israelites were doing and, and giving thanksgiving, but doing it with leaven? You see, uh, if, if we're giving thanks to God and yet we're selfish in our, in our, our attitudes, our outlook on, on the people around us, are we offering with thanksgiving? Or offering thanksgiving with leaven? Right? And, and as we, as believers, 
uh, are going to celebrate Thanksgiving Day, and you realize you ought to give thanks every day. You ought to give thanks today, you ought to give thanks tomorrow, and you ought to give thanks every day after that. Right? There's not one day for you to give thanks. There's, there's every day that you ought to give thanks to God. Um, take that warning of Romans chapter 1 of those people that were not thankful, and you see where they end up. Okay, uh, But let's give thanks in, in not just the way that the world in general gives thanks, just the way that the sinful world gives thanks, but let's give thanks in a way that glorifies God. Certainly let's not give thanks to ourselves. Um, let's not give thanks to just, just you know, some, some undefined uh, thing out there uh, that we might call God. But let's give thanks to the Lord God who reveals himself to us in the person of Jesus Christ, the Lord God of the Bible. And above whatever physical things we have to give thanks for, let's be certain to give thanks for what God has accomplished in Christ and, and to give thanks to God and not in a way that glorifies self, but in a way that glorifies him. Hi, I'm Richard Church, the teacher here on Verse by Verse. I'm glad you've listened to our podcast today, and I would like to let you know that if you have any questions about anything you've heard here, you can contact me by email at richard at richardchurch.com or by telephone 608-339-9522. I also encourage you to check out our church website at www.friendshipbiblechurch.com. Com. Thank you for joining us today, and our prayer is that this program would be a blessing to you in helping you to grow in your understanding of God's grace.